0: Way too many first responders are struggling with their fitness, health, and body goals, but you're not alone in that fight. I'm Ted with Fit Responder and with 11 years experience in law enforcement, as well as being a fitness coach for over 15 years myself. I've created some free resources as well as one-to-one professional fitness coaching for first responders. So I want you to check us out, fitresponder.com, or look us up on Instagram at fit.responder, that's Fit period Responder. And let's see you there. Chat soon. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast.
1: The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for a mature audience. The views expressed on this Poorly Made podcast reflect the opinions of the guests and host. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this Poorly Made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. Now sit back, relax and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a crown vic. Now joining the podcast from The Greatest State in the Nation, Emphasis on quotation marks on that one. I have Stu. Stupid asshole. I can't even do it right. How, how do you, <laughs> help me out. How how should we pronounce your name, Stu? Stupid asso. Stupid asso. I yeah, it's uh Samsonite. I was way off. How are you, Stu?
0: <laughs> I'm good. I'm
1: good. How are you? I'm uh I'm just living a dream, a very unorganized dream. I was explaining to uh Mr. Lasso that I uh, did no prep. I'm super unorganized. It's been kind of a shit show today. I don't know what the fuck we're going to talk about, but you know what? It's poorly made. There's no expectation, so we can do whatever the fuck we want. Right on. Let's fucking do it. Let's fucking do it. Before we get into everything, you know what's coming. Do you have anything to drink?
0: I do. I do. And you're probably going to be a little bit disappointed in me. I'm an IPA drinker, Um, so I'm drinking a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Fucking pheasants.
1: Oh fucking pheasants! We need more <coughs> more Letterkenny soundboards. I should work on that. There's just not a we whole do. lot out there on the website that I use. Um, yeah. Letters, and that- speaking of Letterkenny, like
0: I, I think it was season seven or season eight is like the last one that I watched where they they started doing the uh, the talk show.
1: Oh yeah, when yeah, they did yeah. The radio call-in show. Crackin yeah, cracking yeah. egg.
0: Yeah. I after that that season didn't really do much for me and. I haven't had Hulu since, so I haven't really watched it. But, God, the first few seasons of that, oh, my God, so funny.
1: You know, there was a little bit of a lull. And then, I don't know, it's been kind of hit and miss, honestly. They did an episode for International Women's Day, which was like their special holiday episode this year. It was maybe one of the funniest ones they've done in a long time, (laughs) I thought. Uh, It was really well done, I thought. And then, uh, if you haven't seen Shorzy, you're fucking missing out, man. Shorzy is so unbelievably good. I haven't seen
0: it. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check it out. Uh, just trying to get uh, get everything settled and get Hulu going because we just moved into a new place. So they get that going again. Dude, but, just uh, get
1: on your fucking phone. and the podcast. Get on your fucking phone. It's like nine bucks. You can hammer it <laughs> out tonight.
0: Yeah. So okay. Question. Another Letter Kenny question for you. Okay. What is the best scene ever from Letterkenny, Kenny, in your opinion?
1: Uh, it's gotta be the fingers in the butthole. I don't. Think Thank you. Oh my that, God. Thank there's some you. good ones out there, but that one is the first one that comes to mind. I think that's probably the best.
0: Yes. What's even funnier than squirrely Dan is the fact where, um, <laughs> they turn around and they just start playing catch with each other.
1: Yeah.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> totally leaving them out of it. Uh, that's one of my favorite scenes ever in that, in that show.
1: Yeah. It's good. <sighs> now, since you asked about what I'm drinking, I'm, oh, I didn't. What are you, you drinking? You're fucking rude. You're from California. You're fucking slob. That's all about me. It is. It is all about you guys. Is Gavin going to win again? Tonight's an election night. This will come out in a couple of weeks, but I, I, I gotta imagine all you fucking kooks are going to vote for old Gavin again.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I, I really hope he doesn't, but apparently he's trying to put his name on the next presidential ticket and that's just going to be a shit show.
1: Not to get too far into politics, but I I guess California, like Colorado, I don't know if Iowa has it. I didn't see it this year. It has like a voter's guide kind of thing. And, you know, the candidates can put their information in the voter's guide. And I guess he was so arrogant based on a photo I saw on Instagram, which we know the Internet, everything is true. It was just blank for Gavin Newsom. He didn't <laughs> he didn't feel like the need to explain, you know, what his policies were, or what he's going to do and um, all that good stuff. You got my I love listening to Adam Kroll. I don't know if you listen to him but he talks a lot about the, uh, the train you guys are getting the high-speed train. How's that going? Pretty good. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, the high-speed train and on the voters guide thing, I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. Um, I've been up with my family in Nevada for the last month or so, so I haven't even really paid attention. Um, but, uh, the high-speed train, uh, I was in, I was in Fresno. Oh, two months ago. Um, and they have little parts of it built there. But apparently right now, the first plan is just to go from like Southern California to like Bakersfield or Fresno area. And then I don't know what they're doing for that. But I know they had. Uh, my understanding was that that Newsom had taken that money. And said, no, we're not going to do the high speed train and decided to allocate it to something else. So I don't know. You know, things go back and forth at, at uh, his whim.
1: Nice. Well, anyway, to finish my original statement, I am drinking a bush latte for the farmers, of course. Oh, for the farmers. I, I found one more case in the, the whole entire state, so I'm drinking that one, and I'll have to go to the regular bush lattes. And then uh, I've got a fucking whiskey and Coke, man. I can't remember the last time I just had a whiskey and Coke. Something what so kind of whiskey? Uh, now, this is a little embarrassing, but it's, the, uh, it's a Seagram, so it's not super fancy, but it's okay.
0: Yeah, it's... It's uh got alcohol in it, and it's a caramely color, right? So it's good. Perfect.
1: Now, if I do feel like it, I can just drink the dough ball because I've got a little bit of that left. You know, uh, I don't know what we're talking about. We'll talk it. We've talked about you enough. We'll, we'll get back to you in a second. But I remember <laughs> one time I was at my brother's house, and he he's, like, all about, like, the Costco like, he t- turned into, like, a suburban white guy, like, overnight. and He's like, hey, you got your Costco membership? No, I don't have a fucking Costco membership, man. I don't, I don't live anywhere near Costco. He's like, oh, yeah, it's really, really, really gay. Great. Not gay. Great. It's really, really, really great. And um, he, like, busts out, like, the Kirkland fucking whiskey. And I'm like, come on, bro. This is too much. Too much Costco <laughs> shit, man. Like, too much. But how was it? It's dog shit, man. Was it? I don't know. It was okay. It was just like simple. I don't know. I, it was okay. I mean, nothing to write home about, but come on. I, I think there's yeah, a line was, in the sand where you don't get like Costco brand alcohol. I, I could be wrong. You know,
0: maybe I don't know. I, I know that, um, that Costco contracts with a lot of regular name brand places and they just slap a Kirkland label on it. But several years ago, we were in Costco and it was around Christmas time and they had a, Bottle of Kirkland brand. Um, I don't know if it was whiskey or or bourbon or whatever it is. I don't know the difference between any of those. Um, but it was like seven hundred and fifty dollars for this bottle of Kirkland brand. Shut up. No, I swear to God, it was like some barrel aged. And I was like, really? It, like, I I don't know if I'd pay seven dollars for that, much less seven hundred and fifty dollars for that.
1: That's pretty fucking intense, man. That better be the best fucking whiskey ever on the planet, right?
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. They, I don't know. It, like I said, Costco, to my knowledge, like a lot of generic or store brands, they contract with with uh, name brand companies and just have them slap their the generic name on it.
1: You know, we're uh, we're talking a lot about nothing. We are. And somebody somebody is listening to this podcast right now and they spit out their Kirkland whiskey all over their fucking shitty polo and their cargo shorts and their sandals with socks on. And their white new balances. And their yeah, the white new balances. They're they're just destroyed after being so offended by that. <laughs> well, enough about uh my bitches about whiskey. Buddy, tell the millions of listeners a little bit about you, man. Where are you from? So
0: I'm from Northern California, uh, worked in this, uh, the same agency for 23 years. It's a small agency, about a hundred sworn. Yeah. Been there 23 years at a sheriff's office. Um, and for, yeah, probably most of my career, I thought, you know, Hey, this is, uh, this is exactly what I want to do. And I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and a lot of that changed over the last few years for various reasons. Um, but in my time there, I worked in corrections. It's a canine handler, school resource officer, detective, uh, boat patrol, uh, um, you say
1: boat patrol,
0: boat patrol, marine, marine patrol. Yeah. Yeah. We have several, uh, several pretty large waterways in our area. So we have a, uh, marine unit that's, it's basically a sergeant and two guys.
1: We're just going to start there, dude. Let's do it what the fuck does boat patrol do just fucking ruin Um, people's vibe fucking people are having a good time on a lake and you motherfuckers show up is that basically (laughs) it pretty much pretty much
0: yeah no i for me personally um because i've never been you know i'm not the guy that's like hey let's see how many tickets i can write today so the and they even say this when you go to the different the different trainings and stuff is your main objective as a um as a boat patrol or Marine unit officer is boating safety because there's a lot of, uh, you get a lot of accidents and deaths, believe it or not, um, due to boating accidents because people are out, you know, on the lake in the sun drinking, having fun, doing whatever they're doing. And they just don't realize how actually dangerous the water can be. And this machine that you're driving around with a fucking, a, basically a, a food processor on the back of it
1: <laughs> uh I mean it's funny, but it's not <laughs>
0: <laughs> right i mean you know they don't people just don't get that and then uh you know the other the other thing that uh causes a lot of issues is what a lot of the uh marine marine unit guys like to refer to as lake lice, which are um fucking jet skiers and personal watercrafts. People get on those and they lose their mind.
1: Because they're, they're having a good time, man. They're going way down yonder by the Chattahoochee where it gets hot in <laughs> and they're fucking having a good old time. And then the cops show up and fucking ruin everything, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I so my thing was basically I would, you know, and in California, you have to have a voter safety card. There's several states that have it actually. Believe it or not, California has been one of the last to adopt that. So it's not necessarily a driver's license, but anybody sixteen or over, in order to operate a boat or um, a personal watercraft, has to have a boater safety card. So it's like a course. You go, you can go online and and get the book from uh, Department of Boating and Waterways for free. Take the test and then pay ten bucks, and they give you this little card saying that you passed the test. Um, so that's part of it. Then. You know, make sure people are wearing life jackets. Make sure they're not riding on the bow of the boat or on the on the back of the boat on the transom by the motor. You know, stuff like that. And I, my big thing was, I would, if I did stop somebody, it was just to educate them and go, hey, you know, you're, you can't do this, and here's why, and here's the safety reasons, and check and make sure that they had life jackets, the appropriate amount of life jackets, fire extinguisher, that kind of stuff, and then uh, send them on their way, tell them to have fun, have a good day.
1: What is the wildest shit you've seen on the boat? You got any good stories? Um on the boat? No.
0: Not not really. Um I only spent basically about a summer and a half doing doing that. And uh the the lake, the small lake that I was assigned to in our area was pretty chill. So um didn't have a whole lot of crazy shit happening out there.
1: No shenanigans, that's disappointing.
0: Yeah. You know, but it, it's funny because and not not even in just the marine patrol world, but even working patrol. I've never been the like I said before, I'm not the guy that's gonna scratch everybody tickets for everything or see how many people I could arrest or or anything like that. Um so but and say I say that because some of the boats that I saw out there. I'm kind of a gearhead at heart. So I'd see people out there in these really cool like speed boats with big, you know, blown motors in them, and super loud and everything. And I'd pull up and talk to those guys sometimes and be like, oh, you're not the the last guy that was here. He wrote us a ticket for our boat being too loud and this and that, you know. And I'm like, no, I just stopped you to check, check out your boat because it's freaking cool.
1: Wait, you got people out there writing people tickets because their boat's too loud? Yes. That's hardcore, man. Yeah, yeah you know, you and I get that it. Guy for his service,
0: <laughs> No doubt. Um, there, I, there's the, our boat patrol, um, unit is funded by state grants. So they want to see stats and stuff like that. But I figure it, same thing, same thing on patrol. I'm not writing somebody a ticket unless they deserve it, you know? Um, A lot of times it's just for education or because I'm looking for something more than just a ticket. But if they
1: fail the attitude test, uh, press hard three copies. That's a good litmus test there. You know, for the size of the agency, which a hundred sounds pretty big to most people, but I got to think for California and a County, it's probably a smaller agency. It sounded like you had quite a bit of variety in what you could do and get into.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, so our agency, like I said, there's, you know, you have patrol, of course, um, canine detectives, uh, school resource, uh, have a narcotics unit, uh, a marijuana enforcement unit, um, a boat patrol unit. During certain times of the year, there's off-highway vehicle patrol. So done that too. I spent, um, you know, signed up for overtime to go um, patrol the snowmobile park on a snowmobile. So we had, we had a lot of cool options to, to do and a lot of things, a lot of, uh, well, a lot of options, a lot of cool things we can do and experience.
1: Out of all of those assignments that you held, what do you think was your favorite? I
0: would say my favorite would have been uh, uh, being a detective. And then I'll just go with my top three, being a detective. Second would be being a canine handler. Third would be school resource officer.
1: What did you like about being a detective? Was it all the coffee breaks?
0: Absolutely. And, you know, first breakfast, second breakfast, you know. um, But I really enjoyed uh, when I when I became a detective, we were kind of the point where things were progressing to kind of where they are now, where it's like. You really got to fuck up in california to be to um, go to jail and stay in jail or go to prison um so as a detective basically by the time i got cases it were ca- it was cases that were like meaningful like something was going to happen to this person in most cases you let me know ask you um,
1: something. sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but let me ask you no, something go ahead. as far as detective stuff goes in california And I know over the course in the life of this podcast, we've talked to quite a few California people, and maybe I've asked, but I've definitely forgot. You guys kind of were famous for the three strikes thing. Is that not really a thing anymore?
0: You know, not really. It's uh, when the three strikes thing first came out, it was supposed to be violent felonies. is what got you your your strikeable offenses. But we had guys going to prison for 25 to life on their third strike for having, you know, 20 pounds of marijuana. Or um, I remember one case um, where a guy got his third strike for, it it was a burglary of an occupied dwelling. But basically he was walking through, we have a college town in our area. He was walking through college town. Walked up on the porch of this frat house, opened the door, saw a pair of tennis shoes, took the tennis shoes, and left. And he was doing 25 to life for that. He got a third strike on that. So they've kind of revamped that a little bit. Um, now I don't think there's so much as 25 to life, but they will use the strikeable offenses as um, enhancements on sentencing.
1: Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. I mean, i I hate the idea that people just kind of continually break the law and there's no... There's no teeth to it, but yeah, a guy stealing a pair of tennis shoes off of a porch. I right. I right. can't you can't justify that. I mean, unless he fucking did some horrendous stuff before and kind of skated on it, then I guess, you know, karma's a bitch, I guess. But I yeah. I would think if he's out, that's probably not the case.
0: Yeah. And there's there's a lot of stories like that where guys and they ended up coming back and and beating it and getting their sentence restructured and you know, got out on parole and you know for some it, for some they uh they didn't go back and others well they probably should have just stayed in prison and it would have saved us a lot of money from court fees from all the times that they keep getting arrested for doing shit
1: so you've been in for 23 years mm-hmm. what are the big changes that you've seen from the time you started and to now oh boy um
0: well so when i i mean one of the things is uh, say drug drug offenses right when I first started if you caught somebody with a, a little basically a scraper bag of methamphetamine they were looking at going to prison it was a felony um, now you can catch somebody with a quarter pound and they're maybe going to get probation you know unless you can prove that they were that they were selling it And that it wasn't just for personal use. If they get sales, then they can look at possibly going to prison. Um, and then of course, body cams is a big thing. Um, I'm a huge fan of body cams. I, I, before we got body cams, we didn't get body cams until after. mm, Shoot. I want to say it was maybe 2016, 2017 after all the Ferguson stuff. And you know, when, uh, all the, all the protests started. We got body cams shortly after that, because I think they, I want to say there was some sort of legislation mandating that, that uh, departments had body cams. I don't know if that was nationwide or just in California. A lot of guys were afraid of them. I thought, Hey, this, this is great because I don't do anything that uh, I need to be worried about getting caught for. Those have been uh, a huge help. and, And as time has gone on, guys have gotten used to them. And then of course the changes that we've all seen over the last, what, four or five years, that that's a big, a big difference from, from obviously when I first started, uh, as far as how, how we can and can't interact with people. And, um, you know, so in 23 years, I've worked under one, two, three, four different sheriffs. And, uh, you know, we had a sheriff that used to be like, Hey, if somebody, if somebody needs to get punched in the face, punch them in the face, you know, or if they resist and they don't go to the hospital, you're, you're going to have to answer as to why so now it's like, okay, well, why did you, why did you put this person in an arm bar and forcibly put them in handcuffs? You know, so it's that it, it's really swung that far away. Like, why, why did you detain this person? Oh, well, because I was investigating your crime and had the right to detain them, I had enough uh, reasonable suspicion and or probable cause to detain them so I could finish my investigation.
1: You know, it's it's interesting you brought up that um, because I've heard that shit, too, right, where, you know, if they fight it with a cop, you know, I've, I've mentioned the run tax, but yeah, I've heard yeah. that shit, too, where it's, you know, you fight with a cop, you know, they, they better be going to the hospital, which it's tough because in theory i agree with that but legally that's not the law it's not in the 4th amendment right you can't right you know so it i i think the shit that was happening then you know people that had nothing to do with it are paying the price for it now where they can't even do their fucking job where you know i think you know, back in the day, you know, people can make their arguments why. Well, you know, yeah, fuck yeah, they were fighting, they deserved it. Hey, man, if it's justified, it's justified. But if you're fucking taking cheap shots, you're no better than a criminal, right? Absolutely. And absolutely. Um, but that, but that was kind of like business as usual twenty years ago. Yeah, thirty years ago.
0: Yeah, I remember. You know, you mentioned the run tax, and I and I heard you mention this, mentioned it a couple podcasts ago you know, and of course you have the whole, the whole, the old Chris rock thing. If the cops have to come get you, they're bringing an ass whooping with them. But (laughs) I remember seeing this video a long time ago. And I want to say it was in Southern California where there's a vehicle pursuit. The car crashes, suspect takes off running out through the woods, the helicopters there and everything. And I think the suspect finally lays down and gives up or, or something. And, they're on the ground, kind of struggling, trying to get his hands behind his back, and one of this one of the cops is just teeing off on the guy while he's on the ground, and then the the helicopter's overhead, and the cop realizes it, and he looks up and sees the helicopter, and just kind of shrugs his shoulder and just kicks the guy right in the face, you know, and that just when you say run tax, I think immediately of that, you know. And the guy got to the point where he's like, oh, I'm being recorded. And I just, on that, I just thought, what the hell, dude? Like, you might have been all good up to a point because you can explain stuff and you can, you know, and you may get some days on the beach or whatever, but when you just finally shrug your shoulders and just tee off on the guy and, you know, try to punt his head through the field goal, uh, that's that's all bad. Like, what the fuck are you thinking?
1: I've made the point that, it's kind of unfair to judge things that happened 20, 30, 40 years ago with our lens, because things were different. I know that upsets people, but it's, it's true. Things were different things. hundred percent. Change and evolve. And we can look back on that now and say, all right, that probably wasn't okay. But whenever I make that point, especially in a meme, I usually get some folks in the comments where I'll and and their thought is, well, it's look at how things were, you know, things were better back then because people knew that if they fought the cops, they were going to get their ass beat. So they didn't. So there was kind of that fear, which does that make sense? Yes. I don't think I can logically tell anybody like, no, I mean, it's like the same same thing. If you know, you get a belt and whoop your kid, which I don't think you're allowed to do anymore, but you know, when we used to get hit with belts when we were kids, I know I did. I'm sure you did. Oh, yeah. it's like Yeah. uh, That was like par for the course, you know, but if you knew you're going to get fucking whooped by that belt, you're going to fucking act up. Right. Right.
0: You were going to think twice before you did something stupid.
1: However, and then we look, look with our, our helicopter view. We can look at it now and say, all right, well, that's probably shouldn't have been doing that shit, you know? And that's, The thing that's frustrating is we can't say, all right, we probably shouldn't have been doing that shit. And now when guys just simply arrest somebody or simply use force, it's looked at with way more scrutiny than the dudes were fucking teeing off on people, you know? And it's like, this is not reasonable. Like, I feel like our society can never get it right. We always swing way too far one way or another. We swing one way where it's like, all right, somebody runs. We're going to beat the fuck out of them. Where now, fuck dude, if you tackle somebody and they get hurt and it's an accident, you're gonna fucking maybe you're gonna go to jail for that, you know, it's just it's crazy to, like the unreal and unfair expectations put upon cops now. It's just it's I got I I was told in the academy it's a game, right? and the game's always changing. And it, that that instructor was fucking dead on with that. The game is always changing and we have to change by the rules. But the criminal never has to change. And so what has happened over time is now there's basically no rules for the criminal. And there's, you know, tons and tons of rules. You know, basically, here's the way to look at it. If you're a football fan, the criminal is Tom Brady. And the cops are anyone that tries to tackle Tom Brady fucking pulling the flag. There's going to be a flag on that every single time because it's Tom Brady, you know,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's very difficult for someone like myself who has, you know, and even when I was in the academy, w- when it came to use of force, it was, you use the force that's reasonably necessary to affect the arrest. Right. And sometimes that might be punching a guy in the face if it seemed necessary. Right. Um, or whatever now to this point where it's like okay for 15 20 years whatever we've been doing law enforcement this certain way and now like you said you you put somebody in hand all of a sudden you got to worry about going to prison you know especially in some cities and states and jurisdictions where you have uh i think it's probably more more um more of an issue in cities than in in city departments than in sheriff's departments, because at least in California, uh, police chiefs are an at will position that are uh, appointed by the city council. Whereas the sheriffs, the sheriff's department, the sheriff is elected by the people. So if you have a liberal city council, uh, you know, you could end up with chief sheriffs. And then hearing some of the stories from on your podcast uh, or on, you know, on other podcasts or even just stuff on the news where guys were cleared of any wrongdoing and then somebody wanted to push an agenda. So they pressured the department or the DA's office or whatever into filing charges on this guy after he was already cleared of any wrongdoing.
1: I'm going to I thought of this and I'm still going to say it, although when I said it or when I thought this out, I was like, all right, I kind of see why. But you'll see oftentimes where cops will do something and it may be negligent, but there's not like a an intent, like a willful intent, like they fucked up. Right. Mm -hmm. But they're going to get charged way harder than a criminal will, which I, I say that out loud. I'm like, all right, well, you got you know, you have the whole, you know, held to a higher standard thing, which I think we all need to understand. But. I still say that and say, like, look at what people are getting charged for, you know? I mean, like, in, and depending on who's committing the crime, you don't fucking hear a word about it. I mean, like, you had the dude that ran over a bunch of people in the parade. That trial, yeah. there was fucking no media attention. No. Like, none. I don't even know how much time that guy got. You know what? I'm going to fucking look it up right now. But um, it's just frustrating because, you know, going back to the point you were saying you know, you were a detective, you could, you know, maybe put somebody away for a little bit, but it's basically a fucking revolving door anymore for criminals.
0: hundred percent, you know? Um, and, and on that, like, uh, you asked me about big changes. When I first started, you know, you'd catch somebody with a little bit of marijuana. Okay, whatever, not a big deal. We can deal with it in the most appropriate way. You know, it might just be, we booked the marijuana as contraband for destruction, get rid of it, you know, but if you had dope, oh, well, that was, that was completely different. Now it's to the point where you find somebody with a little bag of dope. You're like, "Eh, okay, you can use that as kind of a bargaining tool to get some info, whatever. And book it as contraband for destruction because it's a citable offense now in California having methamphetamine or, or heroin or, even oxies, anything like that is a citeable offense, unless you can prove that they're selling it. Real so quick.
1: we're going to get on that in a second here, but he was uh, found guilty and faces mandatory life in prison. So there is a God, there is a God.
0: Yes. Yes. But no media coverage. No. Like no. other than when it first happened. Yeah.
1: You know? And even then it was a car drove through, not a guy drove through. A car drove yes. through like the fucking car did it, like, unfucking real. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was the car just started itself up and decided to go drive through a bunch of
1: people. You know, I, you know, as far as the dope stuff goes, though, I don't know why it seems like we've talked about dope a lot recently on the podcast. But uh, again, like you were saying a few minutes ago, like, you know, guys are doing a ton of time for having personal use kind of stuff, you know, for their third strike, which, Again, like, I I think, I don't know, I know some people think drugs should, all drugs should be legal and all this crazy shit, but heroin, meth, you know, the shit with fentanyl now, depending, you know, if it's a fake pills or if it's, you know, heroin or whatever it is, yeah, that's killing people and it's like altering their fucking lives. Like, we can't just look the other way on that stuff. I think as a society, we have to say, all right, this is bad and this is really causing these people some damage. Now there's probably an argument to be made, like, all right, well, you're going to send them to jail, and what good is that going to do for them? Maybe none. You know, they're just going to come back. And I would love to see. I, I'm sure the studies are out there. I'm not going to look it up right now, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of people that you know did a year or two for having meth back in the day, they came out and they kept doing meth. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. I, I think there's tons of arguments for you know treatment or whatever. Okay, cool, fine. You know, but just writing them a ticket and letting them go on their merry way with no actual teeth to it, whatever that teeth could be. I think it's we look at this way harder than it needs to be. I think we need to think like, all right, a reasonable like, you know, let's get the person off the street. Let's get them help, whatever, for a drug user, a hard drug user. Dealers go to jail. 100 percent. Go to jail. Like there's there shouldn't be a question on that. I don't know why that's so hard for us to figure out.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'm not a. I might be a little bit uh, atypical in this, but I don't think jail and prison is the place for a drug addict. Right? That they need, in most cases, they need help. The thing that bothers me is all the shit that comes along with that. When you have, because I know plenty of people, I, I have met plenty of people uh, in my life in my career that are what I would describe as a functioning drug addict. They like to, they like to use use a little meth or take some pills or whatever. They still go to work. They still, you know, they, they take care of their family, their places, you know, they, they're not your typical tweaker. Right. And they, they use, you know, several times a day. Um, but when you get the people that are, you know, you know, Matthew and Bethany, uh, with their five kids from eight different daddies, um, and they're out robbing and, stealing and pillaging from everybody they need to go to jail and yes i know they're probably doing it to support their habit but guess what this person that you just stole all that shit from they worked their ass off to get to get it and now you're going to go take it for free and violate their the sanctity of their home or vehicle or wherever you stole that from that's what needs to be punished and unfortunately like in california and i don't know about the rest of the nation but they basically are trying to decriminalize all that stuff. I used to work a program at our at our department. Um, it was alternative custody and basically people that got long-term sentences to jail. They got out on ankle monitors. We had contracts with some clean and sober houses that they would go live in. They had to be accountable to us and keep a schedule for everything that that they were doing. And they had to be where they said they were going to be. Um, Cause we could look on this GPS monitor at any time. And during the weekdays they had to attend classes like um, uh, moral recognition therapy and NA classes and things like that. It didn't work for all of them, but for some of them, we never saw them again after they completed the program, you know? And I think that's what you need for your typical um, just druggy, you know, your typical tweaker. That's, that's doing that stuff. They need some education and some support around that.
1: Yeah. Call and me liberal like saying, or whatever. Yeah. Well, no, I I I see what you're saying. I mean, you you can't you can only take the horse to water, right? You can't make him drink it. Which I think is the first time on the planet somebody's actually finished that phrase and just instead of <laughs> uh letting people figure it out. But yeah. I you know, it's one of those things like, all right, let's try and get them some help. All right, they don't want to help. Well, there has to be some sort of punishment sent in jail, you know, if that's if that's what you want kind of thing. We just we make it a whole lot harder. And then not to go on too many more rants, because I, I want to talk more about you in a second here. But, you know, you brought up the whole, you know, breaking in the cars, trespassing, doing all the shit that you do to to feed a habit. Right. Yes. Uh, we de- decriminalize that. Why does why does the property owner. Why are they totally ignored in this equation? I don't understand that. Like they act like, Oh, addictions and a disease or whatever. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But that doesn't like solve the issue of like, Hey, he fucking stole money from me, or he broke into this guy's fucking car. Why do we not care about people's property? It, it, it drives me fucking bonkers that that's not a big deal in our society. That, that's a pretty fucking important thing. You know, you're you're breaking into the sanctity of somebody's home, somebody's car, somebody's whatever. And we just basically say, ah, that's hey, man, it's all about the attic. Like, we need to get them better. OK, I'm good with that. But like, dude, broke my window. All right. Yeah. Like, can we do something about that? Yeah, I- exactly.
0: You know, um, and if you've never had your vehicle or home burglarized, you don't know what it feels like, you know. I've, before I was a cop, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning to a knock on my door from the local PD telling me that somebody had broken into my truck and stolen my stereo system out. I was a young kid and I worked my ass off to get that. It was absolutely heartbreaking for me.
1: And Are you beating a kid like, with a belt, by the way. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I have a Sharpie in my hand and I was clicking the lid. Sorry. <laughs> well, you got a good mic. It's picking it up. I was like, is he beating oh. off or is he beating his kid? No, I didn't hear you. No. So I went with beating off.
0: No, I, yeah, I mean, that, that might happen too. You never know.
1: Which one? Let's, well, not, not part. the beating the kid part. Okay. Okay. Oh, hey, <laughs> man, it's been in Rome. Well, right. What about your stereo though? We want to hear about your stereo. Oh, so that was a, <laughs> you want to hear about my
0: stereo? I well, want to hear I... about
1: your stereo. You haven't, you need, you were victimized and we want to hear about it.
0: <laughs> so, like I said, I got woke up at three o'clock in the morning with a knock on my door at this apartment complex that we lived in. I was probably 20, 20, eh, 19 or 20. And, uh, um, the officer's like, Hey, is this your, is this your car out here? I said, yeah. And they're like, well, somebody broke your window out and stole your speakers out of the back and stole your stereo. Like, ah, okay, great. That freaking sucks. And like I said, it really sucked because one, I was a broke ass kid with, you know, a wife and two young kids and I worked my ass off to get that. And then they never figured out who it was, but the next day I get a, I was at work and I get a phone call from my wife and she's like, Hey, uh, we've, you know, got found your, uh, speaker box. It was tossed over the back fence at the apartment complex. It's like, Oh, okay. So then she tells me this apartment complex we lived in was a lot of, uh, well, I guess you could say single moms with a lot of baby daddies, that kind of oh, stuff.
1: I was getting excited with the single moms. I was going to ask for the address, but then you, you know, yeah, said no. baby daddies and it kind of turned me off, but go on.
0: <laughs> so my wife later tells me that, um, they, the kids from upstairs came and said, Hey, we found your speakers that were stolen out of your car. They were over here. So my wife, uh, and got my neighbor to help her and they go and get them and bring them back in the house. Cause it was too you know, big sub-woofers, subwoofers in a box. And uh, then like 10 minutes later, the kids from upstairs come down and knock on the door and go, hey, my mom said we should ask for a reward. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, motherfucker, it was probably your mom's boyfriend that stole the shit. Wait but, a second. Yeah.
1: You didn't fucking, you didn't give the kids a reward for fucking finding your speakers? You slob.
0: I know, I know. So, not right then, but I probably would have had they not come down and asked for one. All right, <laughs> had they not said my mom said we should ask for one.
1: Now, hold on a second. There's going to be some judgment coming from me, buddy. Okay. Did you take subwoofers? I did. Was this a Honda Eclipse?
0: No, not it was a, Honda, a Ford Bronco.
1: A, a Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi Eclipse is what I meant.
0: Yeah, no, no.
1: Or Bronco. Did it have Euro lights on it? No. Were you a fan of Fast and Furious? No. Oh fuck! You don't. I, back I then, tried I don't to, even know if Fast and Furious was out yet. Oh, I tried to pigeonhole you there because that was, I I don't <laughs> know how old you are, but that like I heard the subwoofer box and I was like, fuck, do people still have those? That was such a thing, man. Is people would the, get their shitty fucking boxes and their shitty speakers, and oh. I know it's still, I know people still play loud music, but it doesn't seem like the same as it was. I don't know, circa 2000, 2000 to like 2005. There's a bunch of white kids listening to rap music in my little yeah. town that I grew up in,
0: yeah. But I mean, come on, you you haven't been out of the job that long. I'm sure that even when you were working, uh, you know, you could pull over any little piece of shit, Honda Civic or. Um anything like that with some doper in it and you open the trunk and there's a, a half-assembled speaker box and an amp sitting back there.
1: You know, more towards the start of my career, but I, I don't know if I just noticed it less at the end or if it just started to phase out. The people yeah. need to know though, what What were you bumping through that subwoofer?
0: Oh, dude, this was... I, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I was one of those stupid white kids bumping loud rap music and i had all kinds of stuff playing. (laughs) Yes, it is.
1: You know, I've been avoiding asking this because I know every time I ask it, it's going to just dive into this deep, dark hole because I'm a fucking music snob. But I'm just going to ask, because we're here, Mr. (laughs) Subwoofers. Who is your favorite artist of all time? My favorite artist of all time?
0: Would probably be Garth Brooks, honestly.
1: Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. You're bumping cut you're bumping fucking rap music and you're saying Garth fucking Brooks.
0: Dude, I have a super eclectic taste in music. I listen to everything. I listen to rap. I listen to country. I listen to metal. I haven't listened to ghosts yet. I keep meaning to every time I hear you talk about it on the podcast. Um, but yeah, I listened, I listen to pretty much every kind of music. Um, I have had a really, I would say I would, I've had a disdain for any country music made after about
1: 1995 and the until recently some outlaw country stuff coming yes. you. He's kind of a cheap fuck, so I probably shouldn't play too much of his music so I don't get <laughs> you don't
0: want to get copyrighted or banned or whatever. Yeah. So,
1: but yeah, I'm with you with the country. It, new country is pretty rough, although there are some bright spots. You got there are there are you got some of Luke the stuff. I Luke like Combs. Luke Combs. I like mm-hmm. Chris Stapleton. I really like Chris Stapleton. I do too. Um, God, there's a couple others. I, I'm Whiskey Myers is kind of country. I really like them. I'm trying to think who else is out there there's a few other guys i like i don't want to ignore anybody but i can't think of any see this is what happens when we talk about music i go off on a fucking tangent about music i,
0: I do like some of the uh some of the new outlaw country stuff like brian martin um a few guys like that it's uh it's pretty good stuff it's really uh it's not the it's not the um i guess i I don't know if I should say this. Well, he probably doesn't listen to this podcast, but it's not like Rascal Flats, right?
1: Oh, Rascal and, Flats, And
0: that kind of stuff. Oh, God, shit. It, it's not that, that pop country. So it's pretty good. It's pretty good stuff.
1: I am a big fan. I had to look it up because I forgot the fucker's name. I like Zach Bryan. Zach Bryan. Check out Zach Bryan. He's got some really cool stuff. It's very uh, simple, stripped-down music for the most part. Very acoustic based for the most part. Very mm-hmm. good, very good stuff. My brother. Turned okay, on then me.
0: I'll give you one. I'll give you one recommendation along those lines. That uh and then we can move on. Warren Ziders, Z e i d e r s. He okay. it's like acoustic, and the guy absolutely kills it.
1: What about Mastodon? Mastodon. I've heard Mastodon. It's been a long time, dude. I. But that's pretty. Uh... I'm like kind of obsessed with mastodon right now if anybody's listening to the podcast or I, i'm i did a youtube video with uh ben i'll probably do some more with him on fridays and thursday nights but oh by the way since you mentioned it thank you for your service ben <laughs> ben i'm so sorry i started this and it's just evolved into something but uh, it's something beautiful it is beautiful like i brought up mustache. mastodon on that i'm trying to talk about mastodon not as fucking mustache. <laughs> okay <Mastodon>. you <laughs> fucking <laughs> calm down mastodon it's i just I'm so mad at myself because Buddy turned, tried to turn me on to him about 15 years ago, and I didn't really get it. And now I listen to it. And I'm like, I just, I could have been listening to them for 20 years. I could have been, or 15 years, rather. I could have been listening to for 15 years. I could have seen more shows. Fuck. They're very good. Very, very good. They're like everything I want in a band. They're fantastic. Enough about that. We're going to talk about you right. a little bit, Buddy. Okay. A little late to get to this question, but why policing? Why did you become a cop?
0: Um, well, I'll give you pretty much the stereotypical answer. Um, I really wanted to do something to better and change my community. A little background on me. I grew up in a family full of alcoholics and drug addicts, basically. Um, you know, all of my brothers. I have three older brothers who had all been to prison multiple times and um, I didn't like seeing what that lifestyle did to everybody. So I wanted to try to do something to change that. Second reason would be I was a, I was a young dad. I became a dad at 17 and got married and I worked from the time I was 17 until well, until I started in law enforcement as a mechanic. So um, doing that really made me feel old quick. And there was really not a lot of future in it with uh, as far as retirement benefits, that kind of stuff. It's a young guy with a family to support and I wanted to have medical benefits and I wanted to have a retirement in the future. And so the two worlds kind of collide or, you know, all that kind of came together and ended up in law enforcement and I really enjoyed it for most of my career.
1: I like that for most of my career, (laughs) for most of it. Yes. Let me kind of combine some questions here. I assume they're related, but I could be way off. The first part of the question, or I don't know how to ask questions. We'll just go with this. So what, what made it turn? So you didn't enjoy it, but then what I was going to ask was, you sent me a message not too long ago and what I guess, what was your reason for messaging? What, what, what did you want to get out to the world? What did you want to talk about? Well, um,
0: so I forgot your first part of the question. That's okay, Uh, man. I'm
1: I'm like fucking hammered already. So do whatever you want. Uh,
0: so first you asked me what, what changed to make me not like it. Um, I think, I think a lot of it was just, um, is a combination of things. One, uh, the political climate, and how you know what I mentioned earlier. How it was, it's very difficult for somebody like myself who's been been in law enforcement, and we did things a certain way for so long, and then
1: now all beat of a sudden it has, up when they ran. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just
0: kidding. Uh, <laughs> so, but I mean, just to be able to to do the job. A certain way and do the job effectively and see results from that, right? To now it's, you know, you you arrest somebody even even on a say a, a, a good righteous DV, right? And by the by the time you're done with your paperwork, you see them walking across the parking lot getting released from the jail. Cause either there's no room, or you know, maybe two days later the DA's office sends you a thing saying, hey, we decided not to file this um so there's it, that political climate and then also um just the stress and the way that things and some things that have happened during my career um you know uh in <clears throat> 2014 my partner and I went to go on a welfare check of a uh i don't know what the correct term is now edp emotionally disturbed person or whatever Um, and he ended up rushing us with a knife and I got stabbed in the neck and my partner shot him. Um, and then in 2018, we had a a large, uh, at the time it was the largest, most destructive fire in California where 86 or 85 people were killed. As a matter of fact, today's the anniversary of it. Um, the 40 year anniversary and just a lot of that stuff I've seen. And that's happened to me over the years just really got me to a point where I'm like, I just don't enjoy doing this anymore. And it got to be really stressful to go to work. Um, you know, on the days I had to work, I couldn't sleep. And on the days that I wasn't working, I didn't want to get out of bed. Um, you know, it affected, it affected my family. My wife and I ended up splitting up over the whole deal we're, you know, we're working on getting everything back together now. Um, it's just a lot. And so one of the reasons why I had messaged you and wanted to talk is, is to kind of talk about that stuff a little bit and mainly talk about, um, cause I, I hear it talked about quite a quite a bit on your podcast and on uh, 108s podcast and a few other ones, um, with just mental health and law enforcement. You know, I I've been through my, my own stuff. And after the, the deal in 2014, I ended up being off work for about a year and I did therapy and you know, I've done some therapy here and there since, and um, I just really have a passion for um, sharing my story and um, the mental health aspect of law enforcement, and you know, hope that it helps somebody else. You know, you guys did the podcast not too long ago where you spoke with the uh, the one officer out of. I think it was out of Texas where they'd had like nine officer suicides in, in a year or something like that. Yeah. Um, Um, You know, I, I hate hearing those stats. I, I hate seeing it's bad enough to, you know, go on Facebook or, or online at all and see where an officer was killed in the line of duty. But then to me, it's even worse seeing where an officer committed suicide.
1: I was going to say, And I want to hear, you know, more details of your story. But just to jump in really quick. I read this text on the last podcast. I'm not going to read it again. Um, But basically, I got I got a text in the height of all the George Floyd stuff from a a family member about, you know, making sure, you know, I wasn't doing that kind of stuff and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you fucking know who I am. And. (laughs) Fucking bitch. But not bitter at all about it, but the thing is, and I've talked about it, you know, I, I only worked for eight and a half years, right? I had some fucked up shit happen. One thing in particular was pretty fucked up. And to this day, it still fucks me up and nothing, you know, nothing to the extent that you've dealt with, but it's, you know, everybody has their thing, right? Or, Or, you know, what's big to me might not be as big to somebody else or whatever. We've had, we've talked about that, but The fact that, look, cops aren't perfect, but we, I'll say we, go out (laughs) and do this shit. I don't, you know, I don't need parades. I don't need thanks. But to have that total lack of respect or understanding for, we go, we answer this call, and yeah, it's a job, and yeah, we get paid for it, but you're sending us to the worst fucking possible shit imaginable that you don't want to go do. That's our job, right? Some people some people joke and say we're the garbage collectors or whatever, right? You go to a party, you want to tell them you're a cop? Ah, I'm a garbage collector. We go out right. and we see the worst fucking shit on the planet. We get attacked. We get hit. We get called names. And, you know, other professions deal with that too. I get it. Not saying that's right either. Uh, we get stabbed. We have to fucking see the aftermath of horrendous events. Absolutely. And, and yet, all of that is fucking ignored. All you hear about, and I get it, it sells. You know, it sells newspaper. It sells ads. It was, you hear about the the awful shit, and then so, it's the association, right? You see a cop cops not fucking making the news for solving a case for the most part they're fucking making no. the news for doing something stupid and so that guy or gal that did something stupid that's all cops that's everybody's that cop now and all of the pain that we suffer through all the things we've dealt with is basically whatever nobody thinks about that shit so
0: uh, on that note and i've said this for a long time Okay, it doesn't matter. Pick a profession, pick a job, pick a career. You're going to have bad apples, period. It's, you're gonna, it's just going to happen, right? I like to use the example of teachers, okay? You know, when one cop does something stupid, it puts this big blanket over all of us, right? And all of a sudden, we need all this reform and all this, you know, and defund the police and, and so on and so forth but I like to use teachers as a, as an example, you can go on Google, do a search for a a teacher that's had sex with a kid. It happens. I I guarantee you you could find almost every day somewhere in this country, there's a teacher getting arrested for that. Do you hear people going all teachers are child molesters? No, you don't. And we need to reform teachers and, and do this and do that. No, you can look and find um, things where doctors have uh, on a pretty regular basis, molested patients while they were under anesthesia. Nobody says shit about doctors.
1: Have you seen the South Park? When uh do you watch South Park? I I watch it occasionally. I don't know. But uh one of the best episodes is when Ike gets caught having sex with the teacher and uh <laughs> Kyle goes to report it to the cops. They're like, we're gonna give this boy a fucking medal for being lucky. Yes, nice. I have seen
0: that
1: episode. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. I, I, I know you're talking something serious, but of course, I think of that South Park episode. But no, but you're right. No, you're right. Like, look, like, look at any fucking politicians. Look at fucking politicians. They do right? all this fucking crazy, shady shit all the time, and I and we all kind of hate them. But somehow, it doesn't get to like the same like narrative with the cops. You know, like I don't. Look, look, you know, it's fucking overset and overstated, but the whole like, you know nobody hates a bad cop than cops. it's fucking mm-hmm. true. It's fucking true because those, assholes, uh those fucking Martians paint this picture on us that we didn't fucking do this shit. We have nothing to do with this guy, you know right. and when, if, and when they and again, i if
0: i if I see a a cop do something that's out of line. I'm not going to protect that guy. You know, I'll say yeah, that was out of line or whatever. But when you have these 10-second video clips on the news that just shows when all the shit went bad and doesn't show anything what led up to that and they don't talk about what led up to that or how anything got to this point, I'm not going to sit there and and go, "Oh yeah, that guy was out of line doing this." You know, even the George Floyd the George Floyd thing. When I first saw that, I was like that motherfucker, you know, talking about Derek Chauvin. I'm like that motherfucker. And then as more details came out, I'm like, okay, so was he wrong? I believe that he was wrong in some ways, but I don't think it was uh, murderous in his actions, but I think he definitely did some shit he shouldn't have done.
1: Yeah. It's, you're going a little yee on us now, buddy. Uh <laughs> You're going to fucking lose your contract, buddy. Yeah. You look at that thing and it's like, yeah, that's fucking bad policing. You know, there's the debate. Was the knee on the neck? Was the knee on the back? Okay. Uh-huh. The issue is the dude's, you know, whatever, eight and a half, nine and a half minutes. Guys fucking, you know, basically. Uh, look, he fucking had so much fentanyl in his system. He could have killed a horse. And yeah. He's on his gut. You know, we we fucking talk about I don't I don't know how we haven't had this conversation nationwide is the positional asphyxiation. Like right. how are we still having this conversation? Like this is fucking yeah. like and every, every single fucking in-service. Don't fucking leave people on their bellies. Don't leave people on their bellies, don't leave people on their bellies.
0: Recovery position, doing, recovery, recovery position. Yeah, why yeah. are we
1: still doing that shit? You know, like I yeah. you're fighting or whatever shit, you know, it is what it is, but once that fight's over. Or once you have enough guys to control it, get him off his fucking gut. Like we've been talking about that shit for years. How is that still happening?
0: Mm -hmm. That all started back in the the late 80s, early 90s with, you know, they were having people die hogtied in the backseat of cop cars because they were laying on their belly, you know, and they were high on PCP or whatever. And they,
1: they weren't getting
0: them into the recovery position. So that's been,
1: that's been taught
0: for years.
1: You know, and I always joke about you know something happens across the country, and then we have these knee-jerk you know policy reactions where like, yeah, we wouldn't do that. But I mean, at the same time, some of the stuff that I just—it's like a repeat of the same incident. I'm like, I just saw that body camera video from last year. Like, why are we still doing that shit? Yeah, it it, it, it do, that does get frustrating, especially in this you know this age where information's lightning fast, or supposed to be, but. I, you know, not everybody fucking gets on the internet and watches videos. I mean, I, I've gotten to the point occasionally, you know, I'll watch an OIS video. I, I a lot of people like watching those. I I don't need to watch. I can't do day, it, man. I, I don't want to like I can't watch police YouTube every single day, you know, like I've even had people say it messaged me like, hey, I love the memes, but I, I just cannot listen to a podcast because it's all about shop. I get it. I get it. I try yeah. to break it up, but it is what it is. If you don't want to listen to right. the, top and that's all the time, I totally one get of the things. Yeah one
0: of the things that I've really enjoyed about listening to your podcast is most of the time it's you and your guest or a couple of guests, whatever, sitting around just bullshitting. Like I would sit around and bullshit with my buddies at work, you know, and that's one of the things that will turn down to your podcast. Don't forget
1: about the air horns. Um, Yes, I get that. There they are. There they are.
0: So, um, (laughs) yeah, it, I mean, going back to that, it's again how one guy ends up painting a whole profession with a broad brush and makes all of us try to, you know, do things different. And now you got guys that are so scared to do what they're supposed to do, what they have to do, that they're getting killed or close to getting killed. You know, um, but I mean, there's a hundred videos out there where you watch where, you know. There's a guy coming after a cop with some sort of a weapon, a knife, chain, hatchet, whatever. And the cop's backing up for like city blocks before he finally does something. And so now he's gotten away from the cover of his patrol car. We used to not be required to retreat. And now you have guys that are retreating for for blocks and they're afraid to do their job because they're afraid to go to prison. They're afraid to do what they got to do to protect themselves and protect the community.
1: Yeah, I I don't want to harp too much on you guys because I I tend to do that a lot. Sorry, new guys, but it's you know it's it's a thing we've seen it. But I mean, we, you've always seen guys that are scared to do what needs to be done. But I think it's just magnified now, and yeah, it's it's hard. Like I feel bad for them. I don't. I feel like they're getting different information than we got, and it's I don't know. Like is some of it good? Probably, but we're putting people in positions to fail, and it's just it's frightening. You know and it's it's scary you know as a guy that wants to probably hop back in at some point is yeah what are the new guys learning you know are they going to be able to handle themselves are they going to be able to protect me are they going to second guess the decision that i make because you know whatever it's 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 tough and it's it's made the job a whole lot harder and again you know we can yell and scream about accountability Ultimately we want to do the best job. We wanna learn, you know, we wanna learn with technology, we wanna learn from mistakes. I get that, but you know, there's I don't know. It's just it's it's like the Monday morning quarterback thing, but like on steroids with like, you know, yeah, you drop a pass, you know, you might not go to the Super Bowl, but if you fuck up a call, you might go to prison, you might get fired, your livelihood's gone. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's tough. If you don't exactly. mind, do you wanna kind of run through the numbers about what happened to you in 2014
0: yeah sure um so my my partner and i we were we were working um the way our schedule was then is we were on a uh, a 410 schedule and we don't do shift bid so um you the every shift rotates every two months so you work like two months of weekday days two months of weekend days two months of weeknights, two months of weekend nights, and then you start the day shift rotation back again. Well, when you're going from say weekend days to, to working weeknights, you, you get seven days off. And then uh, conversely, when you're going from weekday days to weekend days or weeknights to weekend nights, you work seven days straight. Well, well, This was right at shift change time, and it was our last day before our seven days off. Um, It had been a hell of a week and a hell of a day, and plus we were shorthanded. I think at the time, we were in a 100-man department. We were 28 positions down. Wow. Um, Yeah. So I was supposed to be off at 3.30 in the afternoon. It was about 5.30. I was finishing up paperwork because our policy said you have to have your paperwork done before you take your days off. So I was finishing up reports and I was just about done and my partner's on the phone and he was on until he was supposed to be off at five o'clock, I think. And, um, he's on the phone with dispatch and then he gets off the phone and he says, Hey man, I hate to ask you this because I know you're already late, but we got this welfare check. Um, it's on your way home. Can you just back me on this welfare check and then go home? Cause we have, we have take home cars. So, um, all the patrol guys have take home cars too and detectives, everybody in the department. So um I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. So we get up there, get to the bottom of the driveway, contact this guy's mom. And this guy's like, he's like 30 years old or so. And um she says this was on December 29th of 2014. She said on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, so four days before that, um, they called and had him in California. We call it 5150. Um, which is, you know, somebody who's either a danger to themselves, a danger to others, um, or gravely disabled. Um, she goes, we called and had him 5150 because he was, he's schizophrenic and bipolar and named, named something out of the DSM. Right. Uh, And he's got it. And so she said he, there's two houses on the property. She said, he got, we had him taken to the hospital. He got released from the hospital. The next day I came home. Um, and since then he's basically been banished to the second house on the property. I went to town. This is mom speaking. She says, I went to town, came back, noticed my front window of my house was broken out. Um, he needs to be institutionalized. Just go talk to him and you'll see. So we're like, okay, I was familiar with this place because it's, it was called the house of prayer. So it was like a church. Um, probably not any church that you or I would attend or anybody that I know. Um, a couple of years prior to that, they had a, a revival weekend where about five people went to the hospital overdosed on bath salts Well, awesome. her son was, yeah, her son was one of them, this guy that we had to go deal with. Um, so, and he had obviously been diagnosed schizophrenic since that time. So we go out there, go to the house where he's staying, knock on the door. He comes to the door, doesn't open it. He said, who's there? We're like sheriff's office. We want to talk to you. He locks the deadbolt and says, you need a warrant and backs away from the door. We're knocking, trying to talk to him. No, no answer. So I look at my partner, my partner looks at me and we're like, look, we don't have anything to push this situation. So let's go talk to mom and we'll leave. So as we walk back to our cars, mom's standing around this side of the house at this open door that goes into the house. And she goes, he's right here. So we go over to talk to him and my partner's talking to him. I'm standing off to the side and my partner says, Hey, do you mind if we come in and talk to you strings attached? And he said, yeah, that's fine. So we step in the, my partner steps in, I step in right behind him. As soon as I clear the doorway, I see it's this long dark hallway, and um, there's a. I see the silhouette at the end of the hallway disappear to the left real quick, and then as quickly as he disappeared, he reappeared and he was running at us, yelling. And my partner was yelling something, but I was so focused on the guy I didn't hear what my partner was saying. I found out later my partner was yelling knife, knife, knife. Um, I sidestepped into this little laundry room. And uh, to grab the guy as he came by, and when I went to grab him, all of a sudden he makes this overhand motion. And I look up and see this knife coming down at my face. Um, so I was fighting, basically fighting with him, trying to keep control of the knife. And my other hand, I I drew my my pistol. Um, our firearms policy is pretty liberal. So basically, you can carry anything you want, as long as it's not bigger than a 45 or smaller than a 38. I was carrying a 1911, uh, a Springfield 1911 at the time. Um, With my left hand, I'm trying to control his hand with the knife. With my right hand, I grab my gun. I'm looking this guy straight in the eyes and click the safety off, the thumb safety on my 1911 and go to pull the trigger. Nothing happened. And when I looked down, I saw that his other hand was on the barrel of my gun and I could see about half of my round. So when I shoved my gun forward, he had grabbed it and it pushed the slide back just enough to take it out of battery. So I pulled my gun back. uh, My partner came in, kind of pushed me out of the way and ended up shooting him uh, one time in the left arm and went through his arm into his lungs and dropped him right there.
1: And he was able to stab you during that?
0: Yeah. And I didn't realize it. So, so after my partner shot him, um, we threw handcuffs on him and my partner's like, are you okay, man? And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, And I'll tell you the hardest part is once my partner shot him and he went down, the hardest thing, probably the hardest thing that I've ever done in my career was reholster my gun without just dumping an entire mag into this guy. It like took every muscle in my body, but I knew he was down. I knew he was no longer a threat. So I reholstered, we handcuffed him. My partner says, are you good? I said, yeah, I'm good. He's like, no, you're not. You're bleeding from your fucking neck. I said, what? And I put my hand up there and felt and, uh, Sure enough, I had blood trickling down my neck. Uh, Fortunately, uh, the knife had, I had about a three-inch laceration on the left side of my neck, just above my jugular, and the knife had just barely broken the skin. Don't know how that happened, and at some point during the struggle, the blade snapped off of the knife. What was the aftermath of that? Yeah. the family was, the, the family obviously was very upset and pretty pissed off, even though I, the, his mom, who, who was the, the caller, had told us, yeah, he likes to play this game where he charges at us and yells and screams, but he never really hurts anybody. Well, this time he did that and he had a knife in his hand and, you know, and then of course there was all the questions. Well, why didn't you tase him? Why didn't you just sh- shoot him in the leg? Um, you know, and, and December of 2014, this was kind of, this was kind of just after the Michael Brown stuff in Ferguson was starting to dwindle a little bit, but apparently there was a media outlet that called our department and asked what race the victim was. And they were told, well, the two, the two victims, our officers were both white the suspect is also white. And they said, no more questions and hung up. Wow. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So after that, needless to say, my, my partner and I were both jumpy around knives for a while. Um, (laughs) and I, I, we, uh, we were back at work, well my partner came back to work basically on our normal scheduled workday i had one extra day off cuz i had sprained my thumb during the altercation and had to get medically cleared so we were back at work and then i worked again until august of 2015 uh, when i decided when i decided to take leave cuz my wife came to me and she said I, I didn't tell her what was going on or anything and and this stress and trauma that I was having, um, you know, cause I was having nightmares every time we got a call for, you know, a welfare check on a, on a suicidal subject or something like that. I was just like my stomach hurt and I was white knuckling it to every call. And, um, you know, and apparently I was checked out and being an asshole at home. So in August of that year, my wife came in and she said, I don't know what's going on for you, but if you don't fix it, we're done. So I told her what was going on with me. She said, get in the car. We're going to the doctor. So I went to the doctor and the doctor took me off work. And I spent from August of 2015 until June, no, July of uh, 2016 uh, out on leave for PTSD.
1: How did the department treat you during that time?
0: You know they treated me pretty well,
1: actually. I mean,
0: there the department itself I thought was pretty good. Um, our workers' compensation system sucks, um, especially when it comes to stress-related injuries. Um, you know, because it, it's it's not as simple as like you know you you fight with a guy and you break your arm, right? You can tell that you have an injury, but um as far as a, a stress related injury or you know the, the less popular term a mental health injury um it's very it's more subjective so you have to go get an appointment with a work comp psych and do an evaluation with them and you know and uh that that process in and of itself um is is pretty scary because basically their job is to determine, do you have all the stress because of work, you know, or is it something in your personal life and your family that's causing this? So um, it's, it can be pretty, pretty taxing. But the thing about the department is, um, and I'll say this for all the guys out there who know somebody in their department that has gone out on stress leave. Give them a call once in a while, just check in, flip them a text, whatever. Hey, how you doing? It's super important because it lets you know like, Hey, these guys that I spend more time with in my family care about me. Cause that was a hard thing too. It's like, there was a one or two guys that would check in with, him, with me on a pretty regular basis. But a lot of the guys is just like, they just went on with their own stuff. And the admin, really, I didn't hear from them unless I called them.
1: I got a couple things I wanted to hit on, but to jump back a little bit, it's, I know it was 2014, but to be involved in something like that and basically go back to work in a week, that's kind of mind blowing to me. Yeah. Do you think you went back too soon. Um,
0: you know, I don't think so. I, I think getting back to work, um, right away was good. Yeah. Um, but i think what should have happened is and I, and i brought this to the department after i went out on my leave cuz i while i was on my leave I, I i learned a lot about ptsd i did a lot of reading and studying and and stuff and um and i brought it back to my department and I, and i said you know i think it's really important that when somebody is involved in some sort of a critical incident like that our policy says that Counseling is available, but honestly, unpopular opinion. I think it should be mandated. I think within six to eight weeks afterwards, they should make you go see uh, a therapist that they and get going on that because, um, post-traumatic stress generally, excuse me, too many pale ales, um, post-traumatic stress generally, generally is, a uh, you start to see the onset of it about a month and a half to two months afterwards, after a critical incident like that. Um, You know, and that, that idea was like, "Eh, well, you know, when I brought that to the department, I was basically told, yeah, we'll explore that if we need to, but for right now it's available. So we're going to leave it at that.
1: I was involved in my critical thing and I got on scene, I got, Hey, are you okay? Yeah. That was it. And nobody really checked up on me. And yeah, I wasn't physically hurt, but no one really checked up. There wasn't any follow through. And I'm not going to put the blame on the department because there's some onus on me too to like recognize that I'm having some issues. But I think uh, (laughs) my life would be a lot different if, well, maybe not a ton different, but I, I think things probably would have been better for me if I recognized some of the issues I had, you know, maybe prior to a couple of years later, you know? Uh, yeah. I think it's better to address that stuff uh, sooner than later, to say the least.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's as much as it's um, way better than it used to be, there's still a bit of a stigma around that. I think for a lot of people, um, me, I'm kind of an open book. You know, I, when I came back, I told people like, yeah, I went to therapy. I did this, I did that. I would suggest it for you, um, you know, or whatever. And I made sure that anybody and everybody that wanted it had my phone number so they could call me anytime day or night, you know, my phone's on 24 seven. We'll sit down and talk. We'll go have a beer whatever. If you're struggling with something, let me know. Uh, but ultimately I'm going to tell you, go see a therapist, go see a counselor. You know, when we, yeah, we came back to work seven days later, we had to go and do a, um, do a psyche eval before we came back to work. And that was basically just going in and sit down with a psychiatrist and tell him, you know, and he says, Hey, what happened? Okay. That's what happened. All right. How are you feeling? Do you feel like you can go back to work? Yes. Okay. You're cleared. You can go back to work. So, which, like I said, is all good and well. And I think getting back on the horse for most people is is good um but there should be some follow up with that and i think it shouldn't be on on the officer or deputy to seek that themselves you know as much as we don't want to be controlled by our administration or anything like that i think the administrations would be doing the department and and the guys a big favor if they made them go you know for like three or four sessions Because I've seen over the years, I've seen guys that were like, you know, they were the badass in the department and there was no place they wouldn't go. There was nothing, you know, and if they said, Hey, this wall of flames in front of us, come with me. We're going to walk through it. We'll come out. Okay. People would follow them. And then I've seen them get involved in critical incidents. And within a month, two months, they just got a case of the fuckets they don't want to go to calls. They don't, you know, they don't want to do anything. And I, and I just think that, um, it's a huge disservice to not have that, um, to not be made to do that as much as some guys may hate me saying that.
1: No, I, I, I'd have to formulate more thoughts. I'd, I'd be kind of speaking out of my ass, but I, well, what else is new? Let's be honest. But right. right. <laughs> I I definitely see that. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to talk about horses and water again, but, but I think there d- does need to be more follow through. And and I, I got to be honest, cops are bad at this sometimes where maybe there is some follow through other. I will tell you, there wasn't in my case, but people uh, will take it as like a slight. You know, I, I, I'm not going to get into the specifics, Um, but there was a, uh, a friend of mine that I was worried about. And I said, Hey, dude, you're acting fucking weird. Like there's something going on, man. And I want to help you kind of thing. Or what do we got to do, man? Are you okay? And it turned around as like, you fucking know me. You think there's a problem with me? And I think. For some people, or maybe if some people are in the wrong place, that may not be the best thing, you know, like it, it's like one of those things like this is a, maybe a bad example, but your parents drag you to church and you don't want to go to church kind of thing. So you're not yeah. going to pay attention. That could be yeah. that kind of thing, but at least the department's doing something, I guess. Right, right. Um, you know, um no, and, ahead,
0: that, and that's, I totally see that. I totally see that. You know, nobody wants to be forced, but I, like I said, in my own experience, I wish that I would have been made to do that sooner. Um, and, you know, by that point in 2014, shoot, I'd already been in law enforcement for 11 years. So I'd already seen a lot of shit too. So it's hard for me to say if it was that particular incident or if that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back.
1: I wanted to touch on one more thing. Well, not one more thing, lots more things, but uh, regarding this story, as far as you said something about keeping up with the folks and I'm going to get on my soapbox. I'm going to bring it, keeping drag up it with out what? for a second, uh, keeping up with people, you know, when they're on leave oh, or something yeah. happens to them or whatever. And I'm, I'm going to drag yeah. my, my, my soapbox out of the closet here and get up on it real quick. But I poo poo on this whole idea of uh, the me thing. Right. And I sometimes kind of go after the people that are going after is harsh, but I sometimes kind of crack on the people that are like, well, you know, I can't really take out other people until I'm, I'm the best version of me. And I I don't know, I, I get the idea, but I think people kind of bastardize it so they can be selfish is kind of the bare mm-hmm. bones of it. And I, I don't, I can't speak for what used to happen, but I just, I feel like in these times, I I get everybody kind of has their own thing, right? Everybody has something going on uh, and that has to be respected to a certain level or it should be respected. I don't even say it should be respected. Everybody everybody has their certain thing, but we've all kind of forgotten about each other. Um, I know I'm fucking, I know I'm bad about calling my friends sometimes. I know sometimes I'm bad about getting back on text messages. I know and that's something I need to work on, but I, I definitely, you know, I, I left my department, but I can tell you, there's a lot of people that I thought were really good friends that, you know, maybe they were mad. I left or whatever, but I just, I don't hear from like I used to kind of thing. And I I'm saying this as a generality, but you know, the sense of community, not only within law enforcement, but within, you know, our, our, our friends, our groups, our communities, I think has just kind of gotten, even though we're, we've never been so connected, we, uh, we just kind of, kind of all do our own thing, you know, we I don't know. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it totally does. And, um, you know, I, I agree. And that's where I was going with that. It's like, especially that one of your buddies is out because he's struggling with something mentally or, or something that happened with work or whatever, just check in on the guy once in a while, you know, um, just a simple, Hey, how you doing? I mean, I got, I have a couple of, of close friends that, you know, I've been out, I've been out on, um, stress leave again since, uh, March of this year. And I have a couple of guys that just, they call me once in a while and check on me. And if they don't, if I don't respond to them, in what they seem as a timely manner, they're calling me, they're blowing me up. Hey, how you doing? You know, um, honestly, I, when I went out, I was this, uh, in March, I was to the point where there were, there were times where I thought about suicide. Um, and you know, like I said, I didn't want to go to work. I couldn't sleep before work. I didn't want to get out of bed on my days off. Just drinking to excess, you know, um, like every day, not just once in a while. And so for me, it's really important to know that there's a few people out there that, that kind of have my back and want the best for me.
1: Can we talk a little bit about what's going on with you now?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, it, the fire that I mentioned in 2018, had a big impact on pretty much everybody in our department, um, department wide, including, you know, including all the support staff, you know, the clerical staff and dispatch and everybody. I think there were, there were 60 people department wide that lost their homes, wow. you know? Um, and, and of course we're, we're a pretty small County and, um, the fire was, it was devastating. You know, like I said, it, it, it basically burnt down an entire town, um, sent, you know, 30,000 people scrambling for their lives. Um, we still lost 85 of 85 people. Uh, fortunately we didn't lose any cops or firefighters. Um, but during that time, uh, my job, I was a detective and, you know, and, in California, in most counties, the, sheriff's, the sheriff is also the chief coroner. And so, therefore, all the deputies are deputy coroners. So, part of our job is we go out and we do the um, death, you know, all the reports for any death that happens that, that meets certain criteria. Well, I was a detective at the time and our unit was assigned. We were kind of split up to there were some people that were taking reports of from family members of missing persons that they had not been able to contact since the fire started. Um, I was assigned more to the coroner's division and most of my time was spent um, helping organize search teams um, to go out and sort through the rubble and look for bodies. Um, and then at the end of the day, I had to go through and make sure that there was a, that there was a report for every set of remains that we had. And so I would have to look at the report, open the body bag or sometimes open the home Depot bucket because that's all that was left of them. Um, was just enough to put in a five gallon bucket. Um, look at that and make sure that we had a report for every, for everybody. body. Um, so that was kind of taxing. And, and even prior to that, the initial, um, you know, I was at home on my day off. Uh, and I get a call from dispatch. We need everybody to come to the staging area right now um, for this fire because the fire had started. Um, it's, it's called the Campfire um, because it started near a PGE camp, uh, which PGE is Pacific Gas and Electric they, they deal with all the power in California. So it started near that and, um, quickly moved like faster than, than you could even imagine. I want to say the fire started at like shortly before seven in the morning. And by, um, eight o'clock it had already ran like, I don't know, some several miles over two ridges. And then it burnt down an entire town. Um, and, uh, so I get to the staging area, they throw somebody, uh, a correctional sergeant in my car with me just to help me. And they said, we need you to escort this, uh, County bus up and, um, evacuate an old folks home that was there. So we drive up there as we get closer to the town, there was, uh, there's trees falling in the road that I'm having to swerve around, uh, make sure this bus can get around everything, get up there and that the, the uh, home is evacuated already. And it's from this town to our staging area on a normal day. It's about a 15 minute drive. It took me three and a half hours to get back down there with my lights and sirens on because of the amount of people that were evacuating. This whole time I'm hearing all of my buddies, all these people that I know screaming on the radio, asking for, asking for water trucks because they've got a hundred people with them and the fire is about to burn over them. Um, And, you know, and these are guys I work with every day. I hear their voice on the radio every day and I could hear the fear in their voice. And, you know, as cops, when we hear one of our fellow, one of our fellow cops in trouble, our instinct is we got to get there and help them. There was nothing I could do, right? There's nothing you can do. They couldn't even, they couldn't get air support in there because of the smoke and because of the fire. Um, They couldn't get a fire truck there. Nothing. Fortunately, we lost zero officers and zero firefighters during that whole thing. Um, But just all that in and of itself was super stressful. And it took about, probably a year after that happened for our department to start recognizing like, Hey, um, you know, there might be some people having some mental health issues over this. And so they developed that they developed a, like a wellness program. And, um, for me, it was a little too, it was like too little, too late kind of thing, you know? So just, I, I guess, I guess what it boils down to is I just reached my point in this job where I'm like, I just can't take any more of this shit. I can't take any more of the constant trauma and the constant, you know, and like I said, after, my wife and I, um, we've been separated for the last year and a half because of all this, because of just my attitude and, and everything going on for me in the way that it was. And I just, it just wasn't getting any better.
1: You know, I, I've heard this and I've referenced it before this, your cup's full kind of thing. And I, I heard mm-hmm. it from a sergeant that I, I really respect. And it makes a whole lot of sense to me. There's only so much you can deal with, you know, and maybe, maybe you can take a little bit out of your cup here and there. But I, I think you get to a point where there's no, more room left in your cup and it's just spilling out the sides you can't handle it and i'm I'm bastardizing it i i wish i could remember exactly how he explained it but the way he explained it to me
0: and, and I, no, no no that's exactly what i've heard like you know yeah. you have you have this cup and everything that happens is kind of a little drop in this cup right and the drops just keep going in and the cup keeps getting more and more full and then eventually the cup overflows and your cup just can't hold anymore
1: and it kind of harkens back to this, you know, conversation we had earlier is I understand other people in other professions have trauma. I'm not taking that away from anybody, but you're dealing with burnt bodies. You know, you're dealing with these horrendous things, which, you know, you you maybe see like on the news sticker, you know, if you don't live somewhere, it's not real, Right. Right. I think a lot of people, like 9-11 was real for a lot of people because of how, you know, there's just so many cameras in New York. Everybody saw everything as it happened. But, yeah, you know, yeah, the, the world's more connected. But a lot of these things you just kind of see on the news ticker like, oh, shit, there was a fire and some people. Holy cow, that's fucking, that's crazy, right? And then you move on with your day where you're not actually the person in the fire. You're not the person trying to rescue people. You're not... Dealing with that aftermath, and I think that's just something that, um, is not understood on the outside, or, or honestly, sometimes on the inside of law enforcement because you have people that sit upstairs that are not really connected to this type of stuff. Some departments, you know, the, the brass gets out there and works, but I guess the point I'm getting to is it's a lot, man. It's a lot. And as I, I got this mm-hmm. lesson on the cup, I was like, fuck. I'm eight and a half years in and my cup has been spilling for the last six months, you know, and I just didn't see it. And that was one of those things that was, you know, there's, I can look at certain things and conversations over a, a couple month period that kind of pushed me out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm, and uh, uh, like I'd mentioned to you before the podcast, I, you know, I'm, I'm still employed by the department, so I'm not going to go too much into it. But, but the, the amount of support and morale or the amount of support by the department itself, like I said, when they established the wellness program and stuff like that just became, I think too little too late and not really faulting because none of us had ever experienced anything like this before. From, from the top down, you know? Um, so I'm not really faulting them on that, but then in years, in, in the years after that, there's just a lot of shit that, that went on that really, um, continued to push, kind of push me and several other people over the edge, you know, and not being supported by the department and, you know, without going into too much, (laughs) I look at the memes, some of the memes you've made, you know,
1: I don't make um, memes. What are you talking about?
0: (laughs) I look at some of the memes you've made where you talk about jokingly things happening in the department, you know, um, like, I don't know, things getting swept under the rug for certain people that other people get in trouble for, or, um, you know, maybe administration sleeping with a new recruit or, whatever all that shit happens it's happened <laughs> and it, it never gets addressed by the department as far as you know and even the line staff knows about it but the administration doesn't come out and go hey guys we know you've heard this and we know there's some stuff going on blah 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 we're dealing with it no it just goes away it quietly goes away and which really kind of um it doesn't do anything for morale for the troops in the department you know um and we
1: they they train us up how to be cognizant right and then they act like we don't fucking see what's going on within the department a hundred percent you know
0: and before i uh the last year or two or two years or so there's been this big push in the department for you know for wellness and for peer support and stuff like that and i was asked because of because of what I've been through and because I, like I said, I put it out there to people. Hey, if you need anything, if you need to talk, whatever, um, call me, you have my number. Uh, I'm happy to, to take time out of whatever I'm doing to, to make sure you're okay. You know, I was asked like, Hey, do you want to be part of this wellness committee and part of the, and I, my response was, I refuse to be a part of the band aid that you're trying to put on a self inflicted wound. Cause that's really what it, that's really what it felt like, you know, that, that the pay sucked. Um, they got, we've gotten a race since then. So that's a little bit better, but just morale in general, because of things going on and in, in a good old boy system is just in the shitter, you know, unless you're, unless you're in the club, you can't get promoted. You can't get anything, you know, any special assignments or anything like that. So, you know, that I, that was a, a big damper on things for everybody
1: there's there's some truth in most of the memes not all of them I mean there there's some that are just I'm being a dick to be a dick or making a porn meme or whatever but usually <laughs> when there's something pointed there's some truth either it's something I've witnessed or something I've been told about uh I think it was 108 actually the other day that had made some meme or I I can't recall it exactly I'm not gonna look it up but the the kind of the idea behind it was you know really the evil within the department right and we've all kind of said that like you know watching your sick is really watching the people fucking backstab you right like it's more you know it's more dangerous inside of the department than on the outside on the streets because of the backstabbing and all that shit that goes on and you know the wellness thing right like my department had a wellness unit that was the thing they're you know trying to put this bandaid on stuff and I won't shit too bad on my department because even before I started, they were really good about if people wanted to go talk to somebody, they could go talk to somebody, right? And they, you know, no questions asked kind of thing. And that I won't shit on that too much based on what I know about it. But, you know, you would you would see some of the people get picked for wellness or other special assignments. And it's like. What the fuck? This, this is just your buddy, you know, you're like you're, you're bringing your buddy into this unit, or, you know, like, we, we had the uh, the peer support. And, and some of those people were good fucking folks. But, like, you look at some of the names on the list, you're like, if you don't trust this dude on a call, I'm not going to fucking talk to him. Right? You know? and it, yeah. it, it makes it tough. And I think, you know, as much as we defend our profession, that the elephant in the room is, there's some fucking shit we need to work out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like I said, I just had this thing, this thing where I was like, I don't want to be part of anything official, but anybody and everybody that has my phone number that needs to talk to me and needs somebody to talk to, because I've been there. I'm totally, totally down with that, you know? So, and people knew that. Um, But then again, I had my own, my own demons that I was dealing with, you know? Um, and, and I'll be quite honest with you since I've, since I haven't been at work, man, I sleep well, um, you know, on my, on, uh, on my days off, I want to get up and do stuff, you know? Uh, I just, all those feelings that weren't there now that I don't have that stress of going to work and having to, you know, and I tell people it was bad enough when I used to go to work and all I had to really worry about was making sure that me and my partners go home now i gotta worry about making sure we go home and don't go to prison you know it's just the way that everything has gone is is so it's very stressful
1: to say the least should we lighten the mood a little bit
0: we should we should i was just thinking that i was like man we're getting freaking
1: deep yeah, we're getting deep. Uh there's a mom <laughs> joke in there too, but that's uh, what
0: she said. I'm a
1: professional. So here's the first thing we're gonna do. Of course I had it fucking pulled up and now I don't have it. But let's do the officer of the podcast and then we'll get into the uh normal shenanigans at the end of yeah, the let's episode. Do so as you guys know, you can uh email in a buddy that deserves some shit because they're awesome. Whether they uh aren't getting enough recognition at work for being a good dude or gal or maybe they got recognition but it's so fucking cool they need to be recognized somewhat nationally worldly globally I think would be the right word on the podcast so i said podcast cuz i'm referring to my boys over at ghost patch who make all your coins for pmpm they've generously donated some patches and the only way you can get them is by being the officer of the podcast uh here's Our uh, email this episode is PMPM. I wanted to nominate my partner. My wife recently gave birth to our son a little over a day ago. My dog house sitter had to leave and all the other options fell through. I asked if my partner, if he could stay at her house and check on the dog and make sure everything was safe. He said yes without hesitation and adjusted his plans to help me out when he could have told me to kick rocks. I was able to put my focus on the newborn son and my wife thanks to him. Not many co-workers would drop everything to help out another cop with personal life stuff. So there you go, man. He is the officer of the podcast and for that, I award him not only a patch, but air horns. Well done,
0: sir. Yes, well done. Well deserving. So we all need buddies like that. Fuck yeah, we do. <laughs> All right. So, hey, I want to go back and apologize. I'm not I wasn't trying to bring the mood down of the of the poorly made podcast. I still wanted to have fun and Hey, you know they, what? Hopefully
1: we do. The the beauty of this thing is uh we just fucking let it fly, man. There's no rules. Absolutely. We uh we make dick jokes or we fucking talk about suicidal thoughts. There's no in between. Okay, don't worry about it.
0: It's one extreme to the next.
1: It is. If there's nothing else to describe this podcast, <laughs> you absolutely don't know what the episode is going to be, and I usually don't either until I hit record. So,
0: <laughs> or until you hit stop record.
1: Yes. All right. <laughs> let's let's start out. You as a young pup, do you have any good rookie mistake?
0: Um, I knew you were going to ask that, and I was trying to think about it. I can't really think of anything that I did that was totally fucking dumbass, But I will say this. When I was on FTO, I had a hard time making decisions. And uh, one of the things that I did was we were out dealing with this guy. I can't even remember the exact call, but he was drunk in public basically causing a scene. And we get there and I'm talking to the guy. And I turned around and looked at my FTO and said, kind of put my hands up and said, I don't know what to do. And he was like, just make a fucking decision. So, you know, it was, it was what it was. But then I learned from that point on, just make a decision, man, Do do what you got to do, stay within the law and make a decision. I would say that it's not a fun, entertaining story, but hopefully educational for some of the young guys out there.
1: I like that. I'm adding a new one in, so I'm throwing you a curveball because I just thought of it right now. Okay. Is there something you wish you knew when you started that you know now?
0: (sighs) Yes. And I will
1: even, okay, and I was going to say, for those future guests, I'll even throw that out, like, even, even earlier in life, something you wish you knew and you know now. But go on uh
0: well as far as police work something i wish i knew that uh then that i know now is the people that you see naked is never anybody you want to see naked
1: man if you got into this job wanting to see naked people you're in <laughs> for- <laughs> you're in for some problems no yes doubt agreed all right now i'm gonna throw a really fucking big curveball at you are you ready Let's do it. Tell a millions of listeners about the first time you smoke marijuana. What? <laughs> <laughs> the podcast isn't out yet. I fucking uh, I <laughs> joked with the dude that I'm gonna start asking people that because we end up talking about dope. And I was like, I gotta fuck. I was like, I gotta ask the first fucking guy after that comes out because I'm curious where it would go. <laughs> and that was exactly what I thought would happen. <laughs> Dude, you,
0: so, okay. Speaking of that, speaking of that, we, what? <laughs> yeah, what, okay, I'm going to go back to something that you mentioned a long time ago, or a while back in the podcast. In this one, about how sometimes we make mistakes, right? Yeah, it just happens because we're human Where'd and we you learn make that, mistakes. Chief? Drug school, drug school, uh, is that a Johnny Chimpo, it's afghanistan animation, Cap. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, anyway, something for the young guys out there to know. Not as much as it used to be, but but still, there are a lot of things that you can do. You make mistakes as a cop, uh, either on-duty, off-duty, whatever, and if you own up to them, they can be dealt with and things will be fine. Do not lie about it. When you lie about it, That's what gets you all fucked up. You know, we had a guy that he was a younger guy. um, And it was when the first year that marijuana became legal for recreational use, we had no less than 10 emails prior to January 1st, when it was becoming legal for recreational use from our administration saying, it's still not okay for you guys. Right. Right. That's the the gist of the email. Well, this guy who was recently separated, his ex-wife, or soon-to-be ex-wife, called in and said, hey, he was smoking marijuana at a New Year's party. Here's the picture. Because one of her friends saw him. And he lied about it. Until they gave him chance after chance to test and to come clean about it. And he didn't. Until finally he did, and they're like, you know what, you had enough opportunities, you're done.
1: It's really like, funny, mistakes happen, It's people. Afghanistan animation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: Fucking rookie. Um but yeah, it, just to just to touch on that, because you asked me about marijuana reminded me of that story. Like there's some shit and mistakes that there's some shit you can do and mistakes you can make that if you're honest about it in law enforcement, it'll be what it is. You take your punishment and you're good. But do not lie.
1: If you lie, you die.
0: 100%. You,
1: but our shenanigans... You do not. Cheating. I don't know. I don't know if
0: it's... <laughs> Sorry, I don't to listen like got... with that fucking
1: Martian. Yeah. By the way, this is a big fuck you to the guy that said my soundboards for in the podcast. Maybe they do. I don't give a fuck. I love it. I think
0: they I think they're great. Thanks, buddy. And I think most hey, uh, people do.
1: Double bacon cheeseburger. Hold the spit. All oh, right.
0: And a liter of cola?
1: I'm going to leave the soundboard alone for a minute. What's the proudest moment of your career? Um uh,
0: Proudest moment of my career, I would say, is uh, putting away a murder suspect for 50 to life uh, as a detective. Working working a case with, with my partner and uh, getting a conviction on this guy.
1: I think you deserve air horns, too. Thank you. For you, the world... I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask anyway. Would you want your kid to be a cop?
0: No, no. Uh, As a matter of fact, I had my oldest son uh, a couple years ago tell me that he had applied for the local police department where he lives. And he said, do you have any uh, recommendations or suggestions? And I said, yes, pull your app and apply for the fire department because everybody loves firefighters. No,
1: (laughs) God, no, God, please. No, no, no. No all right. I apologize. I'm getting a little wild with the sounds. But that was my first thought. Yeah, it is fucking embarrassing. <laughs> fucking embarrassing.
0: Yeah, I just I don't want um I don't want my kids to go through some of the shit that I've been through. And uh, as somebody said in a in a recent podcast, I'll support them no matter what, but I'm not gonna encourage them to, to do that.
1: All right. Some newer questions here. Ghost encounters. Have you heard the ghost episode? Not the band Ghost, but the uh, the paranormal. Do you have any experiences? Yes. Do you believe?
0: What do you got? I am not a believer in ghosts, and don't don't know that I have any experiences other than I have one one time that was a. Uh, I thought it was a ghost, honestly. We got a call for a welfare check of a elderly male in a, he lived in one of these um, residential communities, uh, mobile home communities. His car was outside, bike was outside and one of the neighbors called and said, Hey, we usually see this guy every day and we haven't seen his car or his bicycle move in like three or four days. So we go there We're it's a, it's an older mobile home so the front door is actually a sliding glass door banging on the sliding glass door. No response, no response. Go around back. We're banging on the back door. Still no response. The park maintenance man comes up and says, Hey, um, I can remove that window on the door real quick. So you guys can um, make entry and go in there if you, if you want. And we're like, yeah, sure. sure. Let's do that. Um, Cause it's a welfare check. And we, you know, based on, everything we see, we've got reason to believe that he may either be in a bad medical condition or, or deceased. So the maintenance man comes over and he removes this window. We open the door. We're making announcements. We come in and clear down the hallway, get towards, get towards the living room where that sliding glass door was. And there's a bed up against the sliding glass door. Like, you know, just that it's a regular bed, but it's pushed up against the sliding glass door. And I could see the shape of a person laying under the blankets on the bed. So I look at my partner and I give him the, you know, the hand across the throat. Like, yeah, this guy's got to be dead because I'm in there going sheriff's office, sheriff's office. Nothing happens. No response. As I get to the bed, I grab the blanket to pull it back to see just how dead this guy is. And as I pull the blanket back, the guy sits bolt upright in bed and stares at me straight in the face. I almost shot him. What the fuck? Holy shit. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. And, uh, my partners and I, my partners and all, that uh, both are all looked at each other and we're like, Holy fuck. And I asked the guy, why didn't he answer the door? He's like, I'm asleep, man. I've been, I've been sick for like four days. Uh, so it's pretty crazy. We thought we had this. Uh, I I thought the body was coming alive on me.
1: This was also <laughs> playing in the background. I thought <laughs> about much. playing this for the whole entire time. You said your story, but I wasn't sure where it was going to go. So I thought better of it. <laughs> what about aliens? Have you had any alien experiences? Believe. I, Okay. So I have
0: to apologize to you because I know I messaged you and said I would send you a, a voice message about my alien story.
1: You know um, what? Hold on a second. You hold that. This is You hold that and you send me the voice message and we'll play it during the alien episode.
0: Well, I it only allows me to send one minute at a time and I don't know a different way to send it. And it's, it's just a little bit longer story.
1: Just do it one minute at a time. I got time. Or is that bad for you? Oh, uh, no, no, I can do it that way. Yeah, just do it one minute at a time. It won't be a problem for me. Okay, I'll hold that then. Exciting conversation. But when the <laughs> alien episode actually fucking happens, hopefully, which I'm I'm really counting on it to happen when I think it's going to happen or I might be fucked. Well, not really fucked, but friendly reminder, although by the time this podcast comes out, maybe it's been recorded, maybe not, but you got alien stuff. Send me a message. Uh, I'll If I get the date, it's going to be recorded. I will make sure I hammer that pretty hard on the post so people know it's coming up. There was a mom joke to make with the hammering, but I'm going to skip that too. (laughs) Missed it. Good sir. What is the best patrol car of all time? Oh, you already
0: know the answer to that. It's the Crown Vic. 100%. (laughs) That that car is... And I can't remember exactly what he said or who said it, but a couple podcasts ago, somebody said something along the lines of, it's not the greatest car, but it's so good at everything. You know, it's very, very utilitarian. Um,
1: Is that a fucking word?
0: Did you just make a new word? No. No utilitarian like- it's like you can it's got a lot of utility you can use it for different things i might have used the word wrong but at least i fucking pronounced it right hey fuck you okay
1: don't make <laughs> my speech impediment you other um, um you no, we're looking this shit up you oh wait you i can't even spell it so maybe i can't
0: utilitarian, utilitarian.
1: here utilitarian. you want me to look it up i looked it up Holy shit, a design to be useful or practice rather than attractive. Look at that. Uh, I mean, it's pretty close. Suck it, Lenny. <laughs> Similar um, to practical, functional, serviceable, useful. Look at that. I like
0: it. Absolutely. Yeah. See? Look, I there's taught some, you a new there's word. Some today. Other do-
1: there's some some other definitions, but I, I mean it's I think it's pretty close to what it's supposed to be. So look at you. I'm very proud of you. So when <laughs> when I started, we had
0: the the old, more round like bubble top Cruvix. yeah, and then we moved into the the newer style. Um, probably the fastest I fastest car I've ever been in was one of the old bubble tops. I think I think it topped out at like one hundred and thirty five before I realized, hey, you know what? if I don't get there alive, I'm not gonna get there and help. So I backed down. Uh, it was not fun to drive that fast, I can tell you that much. But those Crown Vicks, we went from those to the to the more square Crown Vicks, the newer ones, and then we went to the Explorers, and I would take my Crown Vic way more places than I would ever take that Explorer.
1: Fuck the Explorer. Yeah.
0: I will tell you, though, for um, the last couple of years, uh, being as I was assigned to both the the boat patrol unit and patrol in a rural mountain community. I was assigned a Ford F-250, four-wheel drive. For being up in the hills, that is the best, the best thing to have up there. It was four wheel drive. I could go anywhere. It, you know, it was governed at if you had a code three run, it was governed at 95 miles an hour, but where I was working or yeah, I think it was 95. Where I was working, there's no place you ever needed to go that fast. So having the um, the F-250 with the pickup bed because it didn't have a camper on it, it was amazing because if I arrested somebody with a bicycle, I had a place to throw the bicycle. Um, it, it was a good good truck for working in mountain communities.
1: All right, you know what's coming next. Do I even have to ask?
0: Have I shit my pants as an adult? Is that the next question? That's it. That's it. Well, today or just ever? Ever. (laughs) Ever. Um, Yes, I have. I don't really have a good I shit my pants story. Um, I have irritable bowel syndrome, so every day is a struggle. Um,
1: I feel that. I feel that, brother.
0: (laughs) But I do have a good... Um, shit my pants story where I didn't actually shit my pants. So I was coming to work one day and like <laughs> from where I lived to my duty station, I guess you would say was about 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes. Um, so I'm driving to work and I get about halfway there. And I realize when I, I I was, doing something with my seatbelt or something and I realized my gun wasn't in my holster. I went, oh shit. So, um, yeah, I forgot my gun. Cause we would take home cars. You get dressed at home and as soon as you step out your door, you're basically on duty. Um, so I called my Sergeant and said, Hey, I got to turn around and go home. And he's like, why? And I said, I'm going to be a little bit late. I just got to go home for something. And he's like, why? What happened? And I said, I didn't want to tell him I forgot my gun, so I told him I shit my pants and I had to go home and change. <laughs> 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 I figured that was far less embarrassing.
1: <laughs> Fuck, that's awesome. Because,
0: as, as has been discussed before, if you're a cop with any time on, there are two types of people, those that have shit their pants and those that are
1: lying about it. It's true. It is true. You know, I got to say, for the us city boys, it's probably a little less dangerous, but, you know, deputies, you could be miles, miles from a fucking toilet. Oh, absolutely. If I I ever became a deputy, I was thinking about this the other day when I was driving to work, because I I don't know. like I feel like you're kind of asking for trouble, and you might go down a hill like Mr. Scotch. I think what you got to do, <laughs> what you got to do is you got to have like the the Home Depot bucket, and you got to have a toilet seat on it, and that way at least you're you know it's kind of like a toilet. You got something going for you. Because um, I just feel like the whole you know the the squat is is not advantageous in a uniform. I suppose it's not,
0: but the most important thing is carry what we like to call mountain money on you. Carry a roll of toilet paper in your patrol car. That's gotta be in your go
1: bag. It's gotta be. Gotta be. <laughs> well buddy, so. this is a. Uh, I usually say it's been a lot of fun, but it got a little dark there for a little bit. But otherwise it did. It did. It, it was I, a good I would conversation. Like to come
0: back on sometime when you're having a more lighthearted podcast and we could just bullshit. Fuck yeah. Um, so yeah, anytime you let me know, and I would love to be back on and, um, you know, uh, uh, just do it again and bullshit.
1: Do you have any imparting words of wisdom for the millions of listeners out there?
0: I do. Um, and not to get super serious, but just uh, no. there's nothing wrong with a little bit of therapy. There's nothing wrong with seeking some help, um, calling your buddies. And even if it's just to say, hey, I'm struggling with this call we had last night. Let's go have a beer. Um, and for those people that are your buddies, fucking call a guy once in a while and just check in on him.
1: Absolutely. Well, Mr. Uh, oh, fuck, I forgot your name already. Mr. Lasso. Padasso. Stupid asso, Stupid asshole every single time. <laughs> I appreciate your time. And uh you guys know what to do. Go tell a friend, a family member, a baby mom about the podcast, so we can get to the ultimate goal of one million listens, which is absolutely not going to happen this year, but I think we've still done pretty good. My goal for the uh for the end of the year is uh six hundred thousand and sixty-six. I think that would be a good Number, <laughs> we can do that, so we're getting You can do it, we can do it. So, I believe in you guys. So, fucking tell people about the podcast. Let's uh grow this thing and then I'll like the other share stuff. And subscribe. Yeah, like share and subscribe like every fucking shitty YouTuber. So, speaking of shitty YouTubers, uh, check out me and Ben. I'm gonna be on his channel on a regular basis. We'll let you know what day for sure. But, it, between oh, are sports you gonna be and the mess. no, no, I uh, no. I kind of stepped out a little bit, so I'm still. You'll see. You'll see when you watch it. There's a little <laughs> a little mystery still, but I'm not wearing the fucking mask anymore. That was why the fuck did anybody tell me that was a bad idea? <laughs> That's <was> a terrible <laughs> idea. Uh, uh, but hey, live and learn. Right. So everybody fucks up, even me. So um, but yeah, check those out. We'll let you know during the week when those are going to be. And then, um, you know, obviously got all the fun stuff. It's about Christmas time. We're getting close to Thanksgiving. So. Time to start shopping. So instead of spending your money on a bunch of communists, buy some shit for me. That's what everybody wants from under the Christmas tree. And I'm support so proud. the sex dungeon. Support the sex dungeon. Support my children. They want the fancy Robin. They they don't want the top Robin anymore. They want the fancy Robin. Yeah, it's it's really expensive. And it went from like you know thirty nine cents to like a dollar fifty. It's a lot. So it is. all the coins, the ornaments, all that shit really helps out. And I, I'm cracking jokes, but I I am humbled that anybody listens to this and spends money so you guys are fucking awesome and of course take care of the fine sponsors because without them i wouldn't be able to make this shitty podcast for my friend mr lasso i hope you guys all have a good night take care of your brothers and sisters remember it's okay to get therapy and i love most of you Bye bye